Hello? Hey, I think I just cut off Scott to answer you. Oh, I was trying to call him. You mean to hang up? Try let's, again. Let's try, yeah, let's try and, and call. Oh, wait, oh Scott, no, Scott is... Okay. Bye. And now, it's time to sit back and enjoy the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Broadcast. Disenfranchised by the modern comics industry, producer Paul Spitaro, Dr. Bill Robinson, and Scott H. Gardner now ply the time stream in a never-ending quest to rediscover and reconnect with that unique brand of fun and excitement that can only truly be found in good old-fashioned, randomly selected comic book back issues. Journey with them now. Back. Back to the bins. Anybody else think that picture of a black hole looks like a blurry snapshot of the eye of Sauron from The Hobbit? Just Google picture of black hole. No, don't worry. I don't want to do this. (laughs) I swear, it looks like a it looks like a blurry picture of the eye of Sauron from the from uh, Lord of the Rings. It's like this first picture of a black hole opens a new era of astrophysics. Really, this is the first picture they've ever taken of one. How the hell did they know that they existed then? Since 1979. Because they made a movie? Since 1979. They <laughs> knew before that. Well, that you know what I mean? I mean, that's, that's just when Star Trek I caught on to you, Scott. Right, yeah, I caught that's on true, too. So, I mean, how did they know they existed if they'd never had a picture of one before? They could guess. Well, we look at I, Well, anyway, but it just looks like. And, and it I've does look like. I've seen some pe- pe- people have done memes. Oh, it's the Eye of Sauron. I'm like, yeah, whatever. All right. Who's doing a synopsis of this thing? It's pretty easy. Go ahead. You are. So, wait, wait, wait. No, wait. I take that back. F*** you. <laughs> you asshole. Why don't you bring us in first? Okay, that's got to be Because 90% of what we said is, is not going to be in the show. So. Right. Listen to a story about the man named Jed. Poor millionaire. Found his family, what, dead? I don't know. Wait a minute. This... So I'm a loaded up that piece of shit they called the truck, the, and they moved to Beverly. <laughs> loaded up the hunter killer and moved to Beverly. All right, if you're doing the synopsis, uh, I don't have to do the synopsis. Okay, just stay stay on target. Stay on target. Hello and welcome to what is this, Paul? What are we calling this? this I don't remember. Back to the bins. If, oh in, yeah, indie right. spotlight. Back to the bins indie indie series spotlight, and tonight. Da, da, Oh, what was that? What was that? What was that? Did you hear that? I thought I heard a gardener. It's the elusive gardener. In, in its in its natural habitat. <laughs> Behind a microphone. How's it going? Pretty good. Pretty good. <laughs> Bill just shut down. How you guys doing? I am doing okay. <laughs> I was going to say pretty good, but now I can't back that up. <laughs> I'm doing fantastically. Oh, you're a lion sack of... <laughs> no, it's true. I'm doing good. No, it's true. I keep telling myself that. Maybe it'll come true. <laughs> <laughs> every day and in every way, I'm getting better and better. 
It's a small world. <laughs> so we are here. We're back to our indie coverage, and we're doing the Burning Earth. But before we get into that, and we have any comic talk, I believe Scott, you have some comic talk. I got a little bit of comic talk too. I do. So you you may remember you two, meaning you you Bill and Paul may you remember guys. that. You guys may remember quite a while back that I messaged you that the next time we record, which we thought was going to happen a hell of a lot sooner than this, but the next time we record together that I had a, a little story for you. Well, I've saved that story all this time. So last, was it last month? In the beginning. Last month, like, month oh. before. Gosh, it's been a while. It's been quite a while since we've recorded together. But anyway, a while ago, uh, we took a little uh, vacation, my, my wife and... And we drove up to um, Georgia to visit family and all. My um, great nephew was having his first birthday. And uh, so we drove up and visited family. I visited my folks and everything. Anyway, while we were up there, um, I got into, um, I, I've been, you know, as, as I've mentioned a zillion times on this show, I've been selling comics and everything on, on eBay and all. And I've been looking for easier ways to try to make a buck and and whoa trying, whoa 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 trying to dodge yeah right trying to dodge eBay if I could because the fees will eat you alive and I discovered a couple of different apps that I downloaded on my phone and uh, let's see I can give you the names of them right here not that I necessarily recommend any of these because so far I've spent more money on them than I have made on them but uh, I got three different apps I got one called Let Go. Uh, one called Offer Up and one called, um, I guess it's pronounced Mercury, although you wouldn't know that by the way it's spelled. But anyway, I downloaded these and I was playing around with them the whole time I was up there um, staying at my niece's house. And I couldn't tell you which one of the apps it was, but on one of them, this, uh, this thing popped up, because uh, I was hunting comics while I was there, and this thing popped up that there was um, this... Uh, I can't remember how it described itself, but basically it was uh, like a flea, like a like a open all you know all week flea market type of thing um, that had comics for a buck, and it, it just had this one picture that they took of this big like um, you know just a big rack essentially just chock full of comics, and it said you know all issues were a dollar. So I had a little time one day, and I thought, "What the hell? I'll go over and I'll ch I'll check it out and I'll see what they have." And I and I go in, and right away I should have I should have known. But I walk in and uh, I'm hunting all over the place trying to find these comics, and I finally end up finding this rack. Now this rack didn't look anything like the one that was in the picture. It was more like um, if you've ever seen one of those racks. I don't I don't know if grocery stores have these anymore, but the, those racks they used to have of the of the little like single serve bags of like Frito chips, yeah. you know, just those like wire racks. Did they it still have the the Frito Bandito back then? <laughs> <laughs> and it was one of those racks, but it was a big one, and it was it, it had um, comics in it, and they were basically they were lying you know in a stack, three across. So imagine this thing had I don't know six or seven shelves, three you know three rows across of comics, and each stack was about 50, 60 books. So there's a lot of books on this thing. So I start digging through, and I don't know about you guys. I don't know. Tell me if this is weird, but I, I imagine anybody that that's collected comics for any sizable amount of time, like we have, you've probably had at least one dream in your life 
where you know in the dream you hit like the mother load somewhere you know you're you're digging through you know at a convention or a flea market or whatever and you just find that like mother load of comics i've had that dream a million times and and here it happened i'm i'm digging through this pile and i'm pulling out some awesome awesome silver age shit whole ton of doctor strange i i i really ah. suspected it might have been like a solid run. I don't remember there being a number one, but they were all low issues, and it was just about one. solid. Um, a ton of uh, defenders, like early, early defenders. It was all, um, I'm trying to think of what year it would have been. It would have been about 68, 69 through about probably like 74 to 6, somewhere in there. So it was, it was you know, that era. And uh, I'm trying to remember what other books were in there, but I, I mean, just a ton of great, like, late Silver Age stuff. You know, it's funny, and I don't remember getting a text from you. Well, well let, let me think. What do you need? <laughs> so, you know, so I'm digging through this, and I'm, and I'm just pulling, I mean, I'm pulling, like, almost every book that I see, I'm pulling out and going, yep, I'll take it, I'll take it, I'll take it, I'll take it. And I'm making this massive pile of books. And um, something else that the guy had was, I mean, a ton of warlord which as paul knows you know i've been hunting warlord and you know collecting him as i find him and i'm pretty damn sure he had all the issues i need to complete my run uh, with the exception of uh, of that first issue special that, that he first debuted with so i pulled those out and i had those aside so anyway long story short i go through the entire rack takes me the better part of an hour to go through the whole thing and i'm on the very last shelf the very bottom shelf. Wait, don't now, come now, to great, this like, whole oh, time I'm for wait. sale. No, no, no. It's, it, well, you're close. Oh. So this whole time I've been doing this, I never saw a human being the whole time, right? So yeah. I'm pulling all these. And then finally, the, as I'm on the bottom shelf, this guy comes up. And he's like, oh, you found the comics. I was like, yeah. And, and uh, he goes, you know, there's a whole bunch more in the back. I'm like, oh, great. I said, you know, by the way, I'm here because I saw your ad. Because, I, you know, ge people generally like to know that sort of thing, that, you know, their advertising is working or whatever. He goes, oh, he goes, well, the ones in the ad are a dollar. And I thought, oh, shit, here mm. it comes. For that stack goes, you have yeah, there, let me go get my price guide. <laughs> so he goes, all of these here, he goes, these are five dollars. The dream turns into like, a nightmare. Shit. <laughs> so exactly. So here's the thing. I'm sure there were a lot of books in there that were probably worth five bucks. But mm. I mean, these books had obviously been sitting on this rack for a long time they you know a lot of them were kind of dusty and you know it was that kind of dust to where you can't just go and blow it off it's the kind of dust where it sat there so long that now it's a film you know mm -hmm. on the comic you know that sort of thing they you know none of them were mint you could tell they you know some of them were dog ear you know so i mean a buck was a great price on on a lot of these books five bucks not too much so so I, I put the stack aside, and I'm thinking, all right, maybe I can wheel and deal with this guy, because obviously nobody's bought anything here in a long, you know, as far as the comics, in a long time. So I set those aside. I go back. I start digging in the, in the $1 stuff. And it's an even bigger nightmare than the original rack I was digging through. And... The whole time that my motivation is maybe I'll find some gems, but I'm going through and it's pure shit, right? 
it's a bunch of 90s junk it's a bunch of indie st- it's it's that stuff you find everywhere that you know you you can't give it away but i power through and i go all, you know through it i end up pulling out five books that was it mm. out of the dollars and none of them frankly that i really need so i've got these five books like i'm walking back up and i tried my damnedest to work a deal with that guy with the five dollar books but he was adamant and you know what his defining thing was if they were 75 cents original cover price and above they were a dollar if they were below 75 cents they were five dollars and no in between that yeah and that was his that was how he just because i at one point i said to him i said well you've got stuff in the dollar stuff that I'm pretty sure you've got in the $5 stuff, thinking of the warlords. And then that's when he told me about the 75 cent thing. So he's asking 70, he's asking $5 for basically worthless, you know, like those warlords, nobody wants them. They don't price for anything. I actually, a dollar was probably too much to spend for them, but I would have just to have, you know, fill those holes in. You know, it, it was just, it was crazy. So anyway, long story short, I could not get the guy to back off. So I didn't get any of those books, which really killed me. Because, like I say, there was some really good stuff in there. But I was just, you know, it's like if I couldn't buy it all, I wasn't going to buy any of it. So I just left it sit there. So the guy made five bucks. And I wasted like two hours of my life. But anyway, the, the five books I did end up walking away with, just if anybody's curious. I got... um. Iron Man 308, which uh, it's just got this just weird cover. And it, it was a book I needed, so I thought, what the hell. Um, I did get one Warlord. I got Warlord 131, which just happened to be one that I needed, so I got that. And then I was really proud of these two, only because I got them without consulting my list. And I got them because I looked at them and said, I don't think I've ever seen these before, meaning I don't have them. And every time I rely on my memory for that, it always burns me. In this case, I actually was right. I did not have these issues. It was uh, Uncanny X-Men 284 and 288, which are early Bishop uh, appearances. So I got those. And then um, the fifth book, I don't have it in front of me, but it was an issue of uh, of Amazing Spider-Man that I bought purely on speculation. And I think I wasted a dollar because it's... Uh, Amazing Spider-Man. I want to see it. It's like, it's the one that has Venom on the cover by Bagley holding Peter's parents. It's like three seventy-four or something like mm-hmm. that. Now I thought those books always priced for a lot, but apparently they've crashed because I looked it up on eBay and it's like five thousand copies of them on there, and nobody nobody's moving them. So I guess I wasted a buck. But anyway, so yeah, that broke my heart. But uh, the other day. Um, something popped up again on one of those um, those apps that I downloaded for a lot of Superboy comics. And I had a hell of a time getting the person that listed them to respond because they'd been listed some time ago. And I reached out to him, never heard anything back from him, so I'd kind of forgot about it. And then, the, <clears throat> pardon me, the other day out of the blue, I suddenly get a message from him. He's like, oh, sorry, you know, are you still interested? And this this is like two months ago. So I messaged him back. I'm like, yeah, I'm still interested if they're still for sale. So I ended up getting the lot, 25 bucks, and this is what I got. And these are in really good shape. Uh, I got Superboy. Now, this is the classic pre-crisis Superboy, you know, the Adventures of Superman when he was a kid. Uh, I got 180, 193, 195. 
196, which I already had. So the ones that I already had, I'm going to turn around and at least try to make my money back on, on the investment here. So if anybody needs any of these, message me. Uh, let's see, 198, 205, which I already had, 213 I already had, 214 I already had, 238 I already had, and 241 I already had, and 242, which has an awesome cover on it um, by uh, James Sherman, which is really cool. I've been after this one for quite a while. For some reason, this one price is pretty high on eBay, and I have no idea why, but uh, that was really cool, because... Uh, I think there's a misperception out there that I'm not collecting comics anymore. I am. It's just I'm really trying to concentrate on downsizing. But certain things I am going to hold on to and certain uh, things I'm going to continue to collect. And I was thinking a while ago, I, I want to continue my Superboy collection. I'd really like to. I'd probably never have the whole run, but I'd like to have as many as I could anyway. Because uh, that was always a childhood favorite of mine. And every time I would sit down and read one of these cheesy-ass old Superboy stories... It just gives me the warm fuzzies. So, so that's what I scored recently. Hmm. I haven't scored nothing. <laughs> uh, I picked up a couple books because my LCS is getting ready to move again, moving back over mm-hmm. to the mall, and basically all the back issues have been seventy-five percent off. Oh wow! So, so I've been getting a lot of like twenty, twenty-five dollar Thor and Iron Man books, you awesome. know, for four or five dollars. So. Um, I'm down to about needing 22 issues of Iron Man to have, um, not counting Tales of Suspense, but to have Iron Man Volume 1 complete. Um, and almost, wow. a, and a, I think pretty much like my Avengers, a full run up to the current day Iron Man. Um, so, and I need about 81 issues of Thor after it changed from Journey in, into Mystery to have a full run of Volume 1 of Thor. Damn, dude. So, That's well, because yeah, they they had uh, he he started the seventy five percent off a while back. I think because some of those books he's been having a, he's been there a long time. I mean, there's oh, some that 40, yeah, yeah yeah. I mean, he's got like he's got some forty dollar books, but I'm just like yeah yeah ten dollars is still. I mean, they're in good condition, but uh, so yep. I, I haven't seen a. A copy of uh, Iron Man fifty five out there because I think that's the first appearance of Thanos. Yeah, I think, it's, I think so. fifty six actually. Is it? Oh, I, I could be wrong about that, but that's because I'm missing fifty four right. and fifty five. I thought it was fifty five. It was fifty five too. I'll look it up real quick. Yeah, I could yeah. be wrong. It wouldn't be the first time. It just be the first time that I was wrong. You are Bill. wrong, sir. You are wrong. It'd be the first time you... I was wrong and Bill was right. <laughs> oh no 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 no. Oh no I... no no. Now, who was the the celeb that was going to be appearing there soon? I sent you a link a while ago. I don't know. Mark Texera? That was it, yeah. Yeah. For some reason, that had to get rescheduled, so he isn't going to be there. I think that may be because they're getting ready to move. I think it's because he found out you were coming. That book is also the first appearance of Drax the Destroyer, Isaac, Mentor, Arrows. It is 55? Yeah. Mm. All right. Once in a while. Even a blind squirrel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Gets run over by a car. <laughs> <laughs> Which is fine. I bust out my It's also the first appearance of the Thanos robot who gets destroyed. Mm. See if I can Aww. do my squirrel impersonation. <laughs> so, what was that? <laughs> Getting run over by a car. 
<laughs> we need to bring Pre- Professor Allen in to do his car sound effect. <laughs> Dead squirrel. Ah, <laughs> uh, so we ready for the book? So, yes. Terminator: The Burning Earth. I don't have any indicia. <laughs> I don't know what the date was on this. Whoops. Let me see if I can see it on the... F- no, it's not on the front cover either. Keep going. I'll look it up. Okay. So, on our cover of Terminator the Burning Earth... And I think this is the same cover for the uh, for the trade I have, too. It has a picture of... I want to say they were. he was doing a riff on Cindy Crawford. He was doing... Well, I don't know about, about the woman that yeah, he's the woman. using as a model, but the riff is the poster for the movie. Because the the album, if you ever had the soundtrack, the album cover of the soundtrack was uh, like a like a reduced version of the poster. Right. So it's a it's a recreation of that. It even had the the I forget what is reflected in Arnold's glasses, but something was reflected in Arnold's glasses, like it is. I tried to look up what Mill Eight was, and it came up as some singing group or something like a. I was then I was like maybe I don't want to look up what this means, but uh, yes we have a um, a woman who appears to be a Terminator on the cover and she has the the signature gargoyle glasses which I used to own many pairs of and basically either broke or lost them all and at eighty five dollars a pop it gets a little annoying, <sighs> but hey I was in the Navy and had plenty of money to burn so uh, she's wearing the the Terminator glasses looks very glamorous. And has uh, N-I-L-8 written on the uh, reflected. Well, I guess not reflected, because if it was reflected, it would be backwards. But uh, reading on the glasses. So, and of course, I believe our cover is by Alex Ross. Uh, do you got a date yet, Scott? Because I've got the Indicia on the inside. Um. So, Mike's Amazing World does not have now comics. I forgot about that. Mm. Mike, get on the ball, man. What the hell? Just kidding, Mike. We love you, buddy. Um, well, Ron Fort, 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 Fortier, Fort, Fortner, Fortner, Ron. I, I'm, I think his name is pronounced Fortier, but I'm not 48. 100% sure. Uh, he was our writer. Alexander, not Alex Ross, as we would become to know later. Alexander Ross is the illustrator. Williams and Allen are the letters. Catherine Llewellyn is the editor. Michelle Mock is the art director. And Tony Caputo is the editor-in-chief. And here goes my quick down-and-dirty synopsis. Skynet? April 1990. Oh, okay. Oh, that's right. That's right. You and I talked about that last time, Paul, when we covered issue one that we couldn't remember. It was before Terminator 2 came out. Oh, well before, yeah. Yeah, well at least before, I yeah. think a year or two. So Skynet is basically doing tests. And one of the things he's testing, I guess, is the new uh, Cindy Crawford model of the Terminatrix, so to speak. Uh, we have three little, three little puny humans in this giant, I guess you could say, test chamber when a leather, leather pants clad, studded belt wearing... Busty, busting out of her black leather jacket with gargoyles on uh, and a mole on her face comes up and um, the humans realize that she's a Terminator. They spread out. One of them goes to attack her with a with a uh, like a pole and she grabs it, chucks it, 
throws it through one of the other humans and then breaks breaks the well cracks cracks the, cracks another woman in, in the skull that tries to attack her and then she slowly and this is where Skynet is is kind of studying and grading her performance and at this point Skynet I don't know if you think Skynet is a little perturbed or just kind of like well at first it's saying that the the Terminator is a, a uh, is adopting a mimicry phase, and she kind of gets a little like she's enjoying the killing a little too much because she leans in, says "Come to Aurora," and rams her spikes on her belt around her waist into the human. He starts to bleed, and she kisses him, and then the Terminator is kind of like, mm, "Well, you know, not as fast as I wanted, but it was still effective." And then kind of laments that he hasn't really been well; it hasn't been doing its job because the humans are still around. And decides, you know what? I still got all these nukes left. I think it's time to use them. So then we cut to the Freedom Fighters, and we see a guy laying out in a field as uh, the Terminator robot styles are walking towards him, and they flip over his body because there was there was a glow under it. And uh, surprise, there was a bomb. Kaboom! Dead. So the survivors gather at, at their camp, where uh, John Connor basically is saying, "Hey, we're going to go to Big Thunder Mountain Railroad." Oh, wait, no. I guess not Big Thunder Mountain. <laughs> I had the same thought. That's funny you say that. <laughs> so, they're, uh, and, and one of the guys is, like, all gung-ho. He's like, yeah, let's do it. Let's get, let, yeah, let's t- take on Skynet. And then they're also go- talking about another guy that's wounded. Well, he's got a stomach wound. He's not going to last. So, John Connor just pulls out a gun. Is it John Connor that does it? Not sure. Or is it the other guy, Tim? You can call him. He, Tim. Tim. I think it's Tim. Tim yeah. basically shoots him to give him a quick and merciful death. So then they're like, are you just going to shoot all the wounded? What, what, what's wrong with you? Blah, blah, blah. Why don't you put so, her in charge? <laughs> <laughs> so they decide now's the time to move. They're going to go to Thunder Mountain to take on Skynet. And as they gather to do that, they look up in the sky and see a fleet of hunter killers coming. And they, they're getting ready for a fight, but they realize they're not coming for them. And when they look closely underneath them, they realize that they are all strapped up with nukes. And now they are even more adamant and uh, uh, to get to Skynet at Thunder Mountain to take it down. And that's pretty much a quick down and dirty of the issue. I don't think that was too bad, do you? Eh. Eh. <laughs> yeah, it stinks. Hmm. 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 It well, stinks. <laughs> well, on this on this show, we don't really do the in in the deep deep synopsis because we cover the book closer. You know. In this show, get get a little closer. Don't be shy. Oh, sorry, it aired extra dry. It's sad. It's sad that these these commercials have been embedded into our brains. Well, your brain. brain. Brain, brain, what is brain? I, I could, I, I can think of several lines, but they're all insulting, so I'll just let it go. See, because that's just the kind of guy I am. Mm-hmm. So, uh, start off with the cover. What do you think? Oh God, of course. Oh, now I feel like an idiot. Okay, so I just found something on that. Um, the right, cover? What site is this? I don't even know what site this is. This is on the cover of the issue, the female Terminator called Aurora's sunglasses show a reflection of the letter number combination N-N-I-L-8. 
but if it were an actual reflection, the numbers, letters and numbers would be reversed in as that's what you said, Bill. Also note Blin. N I L eight is sort of an abbreviation for annihilate. Oh. Yes, I I see it now, but I yeah, I didn't get that. Mm. Yeah, that's that's uh, we're too stupid to get it. We're, yeah, it's just, it's just like, you know what? I, I am too stupid to get it, but when it was pointed out to me, I'm still not thinking it's that clever. Right. So, so that did reminds you the picture I sent? Um, yes. Yeah. 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 I saw that, that was the poster image I was talking about. Because that, I don't know if it still is, but that was the cover also. Does it say who the woman is? Um, Supposed to be? Is it Cindy Crawford? Oh, she looks like Cindy Crawford in the in, in the could, comic. Could be a young uh, what's her name? Uh, Savick. No, Christy Alley didn't have a mole. Where's the mole? I don't see a mole. It's a mole. Look at the picture of the lips on like page three. It's right there. I'm looking right? at the that's... cover. Okay, I'm not looking. Oh, at page okay. Three. No, you can't yeah. see it because it's on the other side of her face. Okay, it's yeah, only the, half the, her the face. mole is definitely Cindy Crawford. Like, yeah, this doesn't yeah, say she's... anything about who might be the. Yeah. The no, hair is a little that. too, a little bit too poofy for Cindy Crawford, I think. What? Are you kidding? Yes, I'm is kidding. The late nineties? Oh, okay, all right. Are you, no, I'm not uh, kidding. <laughs> Jeez. So, Scott, in the first one that we covered, we were talking about how mm-hmm. this is like early Alex Ross, and it's kind of, yeah, I guess. Raw maybe would be a good term for it. It's not going to be. It's not right. as refined as as we've come to know Alex Ross. Right. So so we were kind of. I don't know. Did we? I think we kind of said it took us out a little bit. We didn't really. It was good, but not as good as we know it could be. But that's really not a fair assessment. I think. What do you feel about that? So a little a little bit of my history with this. Um, I was a huge fan of. The the so this is basically this is the second Terminator series that now did now got the license in eighty eight I want to say, um, and I was I was jazzed when they got it because they did a lot of promo you know for a small little in, you know scrappy independent they did a lot of promotion for when the Terminator series debuted, and uh, I was really jazzed for it when it hit. I bought a whole bunch of copies in number one. That was, this was back during the, the height of the speculator boom and all that. And uh, was really into it. And I remember really enjoying the first issue, maybe the first several. And then after that, it became one of those, like, well, I don't want any holes in my collection kind of thing. So I stuck with it, even though it really was not very good. It ran 17 issues. Uh, and then when it when it got canceled you know i thought that was it so i thought it was done and then i was i want to say i was at a mall or something with some friends and uh i remember seeing this first issue on a spinner rack of burning earth i'd never heard of it i didn't know it was coming out or anything and i and i scooped it up and i was really trying to remember what my feelings were on it because I know I read the first issue and that was the only issue I ever read and for the longest time it was the only issue I ever had and I think I liked it and I think I, I kind of dug the art but at the same rate it was it wasn't really my style because if you if you totally divorce your mind from the Alex Ross that would be, and just take this first issue 
as what it is, it looks, uh, to my mind, it looks a lot like something you'd find in like heavy metal or something like that. Mm-hmm. And it, and it also epic, looks, yeah. Yeah, and it also looks a lot like, like you know, your standard um, independence art. You know, forgiving the fact that it's painted and all that, it still looks, you know, like like something you'd find in, in your standard, you know, independent book. It's it's a little rough. It's a little you know ill defined. You know all all those sort of sort of tropes. But it's not bad, and it is a quantum leap beyond the artwork that they had in the regular Terminator series that preceded this. Because the biggest problem that that book had, besides the fact that frankly the stories just weren't very compelling, was that the art style just didn't fit the book. It was very cartoony. And it, it almost looked like adaptations of if if Terminator had ever been a Saturday morning cartoon. That's really what it looked like. And it was kind of off-putting, you know, because you, you had this very Saturday morning cartoon ad- adaptation-looking comic, yet it was still bloody and violent because it was an indie book and they could get away with it. So it was just, it was a very jarring type of thing you know and it just it never really worked well was um, the art of it indicative of the um the corner picture up in the top left hand corner of, of the front cover with that terminator no, that's there that's, oh no okay that's actually that's actually the cover to issue one which mm-hmm. i've always liked i always mm-hmm. thought that was a really good image but no the uh the closest I, I could point you to is if you've ever seen that picture I took of the Terminator promo poster that I have up in my comic room. Oh, okay. Um, it was it was very similar to that, mm. and it looked really good in the first issue, but then after that, it just it it seriously degraded to like I say, just kind of a cart like a a cartoony style, and not a particularly you know defined or or really you know visually appealing cartoony style. Um, it, it really, I mean, it really was what it, what it was. It was, you know, it was rough independence comic, you know, independent comics. So yeah, the, mm-hmm. the, co- the covers really were always the best thing about those Terminator issues. Cause most of the covers were pretty good. Even some of the worst stories still had really good covers on them, but, um, well, they had the same writer, the, the art just never released. I'm sorry. I said, I think it was the same writer. For, uh... Toward the end, yeah, um, they it was it was one of those ones where they had a, a series of different writers. But um, if if memory serves, when the when the series ended, Fortier was the was the writer on that because this Tim character that's uh, that we see here in issue two, the one that uh, well he for one thing he's a mute, um, but he shoots the the wounded guy that's going to die. He's a character from the prior series. Um, if I remember right, I think the Terminators ripped his tongue out. Yeah. If I remember something like that. It's, it's been a long time since I've even cracked the cover on any of those books. But, you know, so a lot of this is uh, from memory or what. Um, but as far as this issue goes, issue two, this is, to, to my recollection, I've never read the whole series. And I don't think I've ever read this issue before. And uh, I, I don't know why I didn't continue on past the first issue because, like I say, I'm trying to put my mind back to how I felt about it at the time, and I think I liked it because it it was closer in tone to 
you know, to the Terminator, to the movie, because you have to remember back then, I mean, that's all we had. We had the Terminator movie and the novelization, and that's it. There was no Terminator 2, you know, 3, 4, TV series, none of that. So there were no novels, there was nothing. There was just the first movie. Um, actually, as I flip back through here, I think the thing that might have been off-putting for me and why I didn't continue buying them as they came out was that first issue ends with the Cylon-looking Terminators, and I th- I think I was put off, but I'm, I'm still kind of put off by that, to be honest with you. Because they just, I don't know, they're cool-looking, but they're not Terminators, you know? They they look they, they look like, I don't know, like... like yeah, Terminator we brought that up, Cylon too. head, or like Terminators with, like, the Black Knight's helmet on or something. Well, it's, it's not just, a really good design because they've got two big spotlights, you know, for nipples. Did you watch? <laughs> right. Did you watch the original? Uh, well, the original the, the of the newer version, but the the pilot episode of uh, Battlestar Galactica. Uh, yeah, yeah, because yeah. uh-huh. because they they had a similar thing there, and I thought this, I thought that this may have inspired a little bit from that because if you remember the opening scene with uh, what's her name Trisha Helfer was the female. Mm-hmm. Cylon. She walks in with the two. Right. The two yeah. older and she walks in and Cylon. she kisses the guy and kills him. Oh, I see what you're saying. Oh, so yeah. I thought that mm. scene was very similar. Hmm. Yeah, you're right. Hmm. You know, I think uh, flipping back through this, I think Bill might be onto something. That that one picture, that one page where she has her her hands crossed across her chest and she's saying, "I am a raw." She actually does look like Cindy Crawford right there. I hadn't noticed that before. I don't know. I liked this sequence where she takes everybody out up until all of a sudden, for whatever reason, she puts the moves on the guy and, and kills him while she's making out with him. I didn't get that. Well, I mean, she even she, says, come to come to Aurora. Like, yeah. she's, it just seems out and of then, character for a Terminator. Well, that was that was one of the things that that the the whole now run uh that was one of the biggest sticking points for most fans with the whole now run was that the Terminators, um, I don't want to say show emotion, but they're they're not completely just robotic, you know. They're well, not this is a adoptive mimicry phase, so it's right. mimicking human behavior, I guess. I, I guess, but you know, I mean, it's comics, and now is hardly the only series, uh, you know, that did Terminators and and did this, but they do things like talking to each other. Why would Terminators need to talk to each other? You know, why why would they need to, lonely. Why would they need to you know state the obvious type of thing? You know, because there's I also a scene question the, the the scene when when they show hmm? the Terminators working at keyboards. Right, right after that. I mean, right? really, isn't isn't yeah. it all just you know? Although that's a nice shot, but it's, it's like yeah, yeah, so why it's drawn? But why, why are they? What's the the logic of it? Well, we've got that on right on the second page. In we've got a a Terminator tapping keys. Yeah, why? Don't yeah. they just interface with it? Or, you know, aren't they? I mean, by the time this came out, a Robocop man. <laughs> you know, it like it just it it's again it's a it's a pretty picture, but that's all it is. Right. So it, it just doesn't feel like it makes sense. It's it feels the book feels to me like it's drawn for the sake of drawing it. And there's not a lot of story going on, quite frankly. The first first issue felt like, you know, kind of like a pre-title sequence for a movie. Right. And the second all... part still seems like it's just all prologue. We, you know, we haven't gotten to the story yet. 
you may have hit on something. Uh, another reason why I didn't continue past the first issue is that, it, yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I was under a time crunch getting these two issues read for tonight, and I, I mean, I got them read in like, I, I, if it took me a full ten minutes, I'd be amazed. I mean, they're an incredibly fast read, and at a buck seventy-five, you know, during this time, I'm trying to remember how much were comics in ninety. I'm thinking they were like seventy-five cents, right? No, I think they're, they were at least. Were they more than that? At least I want to say, like in '85, '86, they might have been seventy-five cents. Or I don't know. I'd have to look that up. I'm I'm pretty sure a dollar seventy-five was was much higher than the norm, though. During I, I could be wrong. I'll, I'll look that up and see if I can find it. But it just it seems like that that's pretty pricey, you know, compared to other books on the stand. I I don't know. I could be wrong though. Well, I think you know we we've, we've talked about this in past episodes too with licensed products. We think, you know, speculation is they have to charge a little bit more because they have to pay the licensing fee. It's not, right. you know, it, it, it's not as clean financially for them. So they have to justify it, you know, or not necessarily justify it, but they have to make up for what, whatever it is they have to pay. The April issue of Adventures of Superman says right on the cover, still only 75 cents. That means it's about to go up, kids. Mm. But, yeah. Let's see. I'll pick something. Let's see. Let's see. What this is probably pitted on some flash. better paper, too, probably, at this time. Flash was a buck, yeah. Well, I mean, my, my point, though, is that it's more than a regular comic was at that time, and it's a hell of a fast read. So that probably had a lot to do with it. I don't know. I mean, it, it just it, it wasn't on my radar. It wasn't in my pull box. I just happened to see it on a spinner rack. Remember those? Mm-hmm. And, but, you know, I, 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 I nabbed it, but didn't go any further. As a matter of fact, it wasn't until uh, sitting down to, and doing a little bit of homework before, you know, for the recording of this, that I didn't even realize that there was a third uh, now series beyond this. There was a uh, a two issue series called All My Futures Past. I gotta find that. I've I didn't even know that existed. Now, when uh, when Alex Ross did Marvels, when he did Kingdom Come, and certainly his involvement in uh, what's it called, Earth X. Uh, I got the impression that he kind of gave, this, you know, it's almost the Marvel method where he he would would just kind of like draw the story and the writer, you could almost put up finger quotes for the writer and say it was more of a person just putting in the dialogue as opposed to writing the story. Uh, and right. I'm wondering if that's the case here. Hmm. I don't know. I'm uh, I'm a Facebook buddies with uh, with the writer on this Fortier. I mean, I, I don't know the guy very well or anything, but I wonder if there's a chance we could get him. I, I yeah, want to pick his brain about this. And he's I mean, he did a lot of other stuff besides this as well because uh, I know he did uh, um, Green uh, Green Hornet as well. I'm not sure what beyond that. I'm not sure what else he's done. But well, you should ask him if, like issue four or five if that's supposed to be da- David Letterman with his hair on fire. <laughs> Because that's who it looks like when you get to that issue. I don't think I've ever read the whole... Because I don't own all the issues. I mean, I have them digitally now, but I don't... You know, as far as the actual paper issues, I, I'm missing number three. And it was only... I can't remember which issue I recently got, but there was one issue of this I only just recently got. So I, I've never had all five and... Uh, yeah, just flipping through three, I know I've never laid eyes on this. So I, I have never read the, the series in total, but I'm, I'm curious, too. I mean, it, it looks interesting. 
it's just you know it's it's a really quick read yeah because after the after the killing skynet basically says oh my job was um my um but yeah it basically f- figures out uh, to protect the species bent on self-destruction is illogical. Therefore, inoperable internal circuits realign main imperatives. Since realignment, I have eliminated 96.3% of humankind, allowing 37 to exist as evidence of faulty programming. Beginning internal systems check, problematic pattern, and then uh, we see a few other pages. In, in, in the in, in, interim, we've got that big double page with all the... Uh, the Terminators on keyboards, which yeah, it's kind of like why? <laughs> it's a cool. So it's, visual. it's 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 like the Terminator <laughs> typing pool. <laughs> All right, yeah. we got we, we got Arnold from Account Temps in here now. <laughs> yeah, we've got the one l- looking right at us as the the viewer. You know, like he's looking at kill me. Come on, I'm here. Kill me. Don't want to hands on. <laughs> it's cold in here. It reminds me of wasn't there a George Perez cover? I think possibly on uh, Infinity War, where they had all like the little boxes. It reminds me of the movie The Black Hole, like on the bridge. You keep on you, the you seem to be obsessed with ba- black holes today, Bill. <sighs> Scott, yeah, what do you, you know. Think? No, you're right. Yeah, now that you say that, I with, I, with, I can totally all the all yeah. the crew members walking at all sitting at the stations and. All the screens and everything, and all the computer crap everywhere. We just need oh, a little. They should have Ernest Borgnine come up and talk to one of them. <laughs> hey, hey, buddy, how you doing? He, you know, <laughs> I just realized Ernest Borgnine was like the Mark Wahlberg of his time. Hey, buddy, how's your mother? <laughs> yeah, hey, it's me, Ernest Borgnine. It's me, Mark Wahlberg. See, same difference. <laughs> okay. Hey, robot guy, how you doing? So now, what do you think of this? I, you know, I think they're just kind of attributing too much of a human personality yeah. to Skynet and... Oh, yeah. yeah. Because it, it's thwarted. Like, hmm, well, you know what? I'm just going to kill them all. I got plenty of weapons left. Now, I, I understand it's artificial intelligence and it's made to kind of mimic human intelligence, but it's supposed to be superior and beyond it and much more uh, calculating. So, like, I, I don't see yet the way you're saying it. The way it's, the way it's kind of, it's the third, per, uh, the third person narr- or the first person narrator in the book, <laughs> you know. And uh, well, it's kind of like it, like it, it Kirked itself in into this. You know how Kirk would always trick, you know, trick the computer into destroying itself, or or like the Sentinels. Uh, yeah, mutations caused by the sun. Why don't you go to the sun and see what's going on up there? Yeah, well, yeah, that, that sounds great. Let's go to the uh, sun. Everybody. Let's go to the sun. Come on, fellow st- sentinels. Master Mold says go to the sun. Whoosh. Here we go. We're going to drop bombs on the, ring, on the United States. <laughs> I don't know. The, the, sentinel su- the Sentinels soon, somehow became Rain Man. But I watched Wapner. <laughs> <laughs> I, and I, I really don't care for the way that Alex Ross visualizes John Connor. It's not not, yeah. that he, not that he's not that the artwork is bad. I don't like the character model he came up with for what John Connor should look like as an adult. He looks like, looks like one, one Jesus thing. on crack. I don't know. 
Yeah. One thing about that, though, that I did notice is I, I agree with you. I don't really care for it either because, yeah, he he looks like a cross between, like, Jesus and the Crypt Keeper. He's <laughs> really creepy looking. However, notice his eyes because I thought this was pretty clever because there's a line in the original Terminator where um, when Sarah is bandaging Reese and he winces and they make eye contact and he goes... He has your eyes, or you have his eyes. One of the two. Oh, hmm. and he does in this. John has Sarah's eyes. He's got eyes. girly I eyes. Thought, yeah, I thought that. Yeah, was I kind of see that. Yeah, that that's uh, what's her name's eyes. Yeah, it does, yeah, yeah, if, it does look he, like that. If he drew the rest if of the face to be feminine, it would look like Linda Hamilton. Yes. Mm. Yeah, totally. Yeah, if if you took the facial hair off and and just really just concentrate on the face, it's her. It's it's Linda Hamilton, and I thought that was pretty clever. I really did. I, I you know, uh, and mm. I, I, it's one of those things where there's we no didn't catch that the last time. That probably seems why he seems so off. Yeah, yeah, but I, I and you're you, I agree with you a hundred percent, Scott. I just don't like the look. <laughs> right. Fair it's enough. Like a, yeah, it's a it's a masculine drawn version of Linda, is what it is. Actually, right. in, if, in certain things that you look at, Linda's a masculine version of Linda. Well, I, yeah, I, I wasn't going to go that way, but <laughs> please send all hate mail to Paul Spataro. Who's going to send hate mail? Linda Hamilton? Maybe James Cameron? <laughs> Maybe there's some Linda Hamilton. Well, he's not married to her anymore anyway. He's like, yeah. I got rid was of it? Yeah, he was married. she had yeah, man like, face. <laughs> I don't even think he's married to the woman that he left her for anymore, is he? Well, I he, don't know. He left her for the woman from Titanic, right? Yeah, I don't think they're what? together Celine anymore. Del- you no, know, not Celine Dion. <laughs> No, the old lady. <laughs> <laughs> Let me get my flute out. Well, where it occurred to me is in the first issue, right where... Now, was he going to put the gun in his mouth at one point? I meant to ask yes, you guys. That that first, yeah. Okay, yeah. That, that, that picture above, issue. the panel above where he was putting the gun to his face, that's where it really caught me, that, that he had her eyes. You have her eyes. Size. <laughs> so, page sixteen. Oh yeah, we 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 brought this up last time. That a lot of sound effects. Not really so much. Yeah, yep. Yeah, actually, it's in this one too. That a lot of sound effects are not drawn or or written in the traditional. Uh, like right. page five, when the guy's swinging the uh, the metal pipe at the ter- Terminator. Like the sound effect right. is not written like a regular sound effect. It's it's kind of incorporated right. in, into the picture. It's not like its own sound bubble or, or given. It's almost subtle. Uh, and the same thing when the, the the guy that's wounded and they say, oh, he's got a stomach wound, he's not going to make it, blah blah blah. When he's shot, there's like a kapoo that's just written in like a weird organic kind of script to it. There on right. page sixteen. So, um, I don't know if you picked that up when you went back and looked at the first issue. Because, I mean, there was one really big prominent sound effect when that... Uh, oh, did, did did you also catch that two of the pages were out of order? Are they? Yeah. Not here, but in the other, in the first issue. There's a... Uh, when the Hunter that. Killer falls on the Jeep, the pages are, like, flipped. You could see, it was like, well, wait a minute, somebody didn't put this in the right order. Now, I don't know if that's in the CBR, 
but in the PDF. Somebody of, probably corrected it in the CBR because that's how I was reading uh, it. And, uh, hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But getting back to page sixteen with the uh, the gun, that's the the guy's getting shot. So the picture of the woman to the left does that look like Gina Davis with long hair? Maybe. Where's Where? this? Page sixteen. Oh, you okay? I see what you're talking about. No, I don't. I don't see Gina Davis. You don't there. think so? Yeah, I kind of do. Oh yeah. Yeah, I didn't even catch that before. Yeah, you're right. I'm thinking somebody else there. I don't know. Who. That's the only time because any any other time doesn't really look like her. But yeah, this this issue pretty much is not as like the first one was very a- action packed. This one it's got a little bit of action in the beginning, and then we really slow down. We get a lot of dialogue in the camp. We get we see some more of the brutality, and then it's the the big reveal. That all the hunter killers are strapped with nuclear bombs. Um, this one hooked me more than the first one did because I mean, there's there's a little more story in this one. I mean, it's 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 kind of setting. Okay, this is what's going on, and this is the threat. So this one hooked me a little bit more than the than the first one did. Mm-hmm. And I still feel like we're not getting the story yet. To be honest with you, a, it, feels, it feels like it's still build up to the story. We're not getting really. I mean, we are getting some character moments, but not enough to actually care about the characters. Uh, there's, it's almost like there's more of a character moment for Skynet, and I think it's a poorly conceived character moment that it's getting frustrated and, you know, desperate or whatever. Well, I think they're still trying to convey the brutality, like when Tim shoots the wounded guy and everybody just looks at him shocked, but really, what else were they going to do? I I mean, I I know it's very cold, but... Yeah, I mean, there's only... According to this, there's only 3.7% of Earth's human population around at this point. Yeah, but this guy... So every every death, but every death would be, you know, all that much more meaningful because there's so many fewer of them. Right, but... He was going to die one way or the other, so were they just going to sit there and let him suffer through it, or just basically put him out of his misery? He was taken out of his misery by Tim. Tim. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so we're not going to do a panel by panel on this one, I guess. No, because it's really not. I mean, uh, the one with the hunter killers, like the fleet of them up in the sky overhead, it's kind of a nice shot. It's very eerie looking. It's very well, it's in, dark. It's interesting the way he's got it drawn with the rectangular box and then the hunter killers outside of the box. Yeah, like I'm not I'm not sure exactly the purpose there. Mm. I, I I feel like it would be a better page if he just did artwork on the entire page. Hmm. No, no, no. More like I guess the, the last page. I like how they light up there uh, because they're looking through. Um, either guns or binoculars and you could see the the light of the guns or the binoculars reflected on their face like that blue glow and it's the blue glow you know then you see the shot through what they're looking at like we never got to see on star trek oh sorry just saw what they were looking in never saw what they were looking at it was check off the spot it wasn't fair <laughs> to see what they were doing nudie pictures so yeah Oh, so okay. The fair. It was time now. It was time to look through the blue thing. You promised. <laughs> promised. <laughs> All right. So are we gonna rate this? 
<laughs> yeah. Yep. Uh, I like the cover. I think the cover's... Uh, well, and it's not just because it's a very nice subject. But I like this better than the first one. Because remember the issues we had with the first one? Mm-hmm. Uh, this one... Th- to me, I'd say this one is a B plus A, A minus for the cover. Uh, what do you guys think? I'm going to say it is better than the first one. I'm going to just say a B. Because, once again, there's not an image here that I'm thinking, oh, oh, look, it's a female Terminator. I need to buy this. I don't think so. I'm not, I, I don't think I'm going to, I don't think I would be thinking that way if I started on the stands. I might buy it just because of the Terminator word at the top of it, but I don't think I'd buy it based on the picture. Hmm. Scoop. I, I like the cover a lot, actually. I like it because it's it's a riff on the poster, you know, the mm-hmm. original Terminator movie poster. I think that's really neat, uh, you know, forgiving the nihilate thing because I I think that is kind of stupid now that I now that I see <laughs> what it stirs. But I'm going back through, you know, because I still do have all of my issues, you know, my uh, you know of the uh, original seventeen issue run. And just flipping back through the covers of this, this is actually, you know, to my mind, this is the the second best cover uh, now put out so far. Because I still have a, a great fondness for uh, the cover to issue one of Terminator, you know, issue one of the 17-issue uh, series. I, I still think that's a really cool cover. Um, I, I agree with you. I never really liked the cover to Burning Earth number one. I think I know what he's going for, and it just doesn't quite work for me. I mean, it's it's just, I don't know, it's just not visually appealing. Whereas this one, yeah, I think if this had been the, the cover to issue one, um, yeah, I think it has more of a hook to it. So, yeah, I like this. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I'd, uh, I think I'd go, I think I'd go an A, actually. Maybe A minus, but it's, it's good. I like it a lot. Okay. Um. For me, the interior art, if I put my put my future knowledge of Alex Ross aside, it's it's pretty good. Sometimes it seems to maybe look a little wonky, like on some of the humans that are fighting, like on page five. Um, <clears throat> the humans that are fighting Aurora, <clears throat> they look a little, maybe not drawn quite up to snuff. Or you know, they just look a little too cartoonish. They don't look it. It just kind of it's a little bit jarring from the rest of the art. But after that, um, and so and sometimes all the shots in in the darkness. And I know it's darkness, so it's kind of hard to give some things to, uh, to define them better. But I mean, maybe that's the look they're going for. Um, I still think I'm going to give the the art overall uh, a B. Next. Uh, I agree with whichever one of you said it reminds them of the artwork, like in Epic or uh, Heavy Metal, mm-hmm. uh, which it I always Scott. enjoyed, quite frankly. I always enjoyed that artwork, but I don't think I enjoyed it as much as I enjoyed, say, Alex Ross from Marvel's or Kingdom Come. Uh, of course, we're not supposed to be rating it as compared to what else he did. We're supposed to be rating this in a vacuum. So... I look at it, and I would say it's really solid. Some of the figures look just a little stiffer than I'd like, and it's a little darker than I would like, 
which I guess is supposed to be the tone of the book with the darkness. But then, like, when we get to, you know, the, uh, the Terminator's uh, secretarial pool, you would think that would be well lit. So, <laughs> I, you know, I think it, 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 it's not perfect. It could be better, but it is pretty solid. So I'm going to say a B-plus on the interior art. Hmm. Yeah, it's, it's, it's hard to say because there's a lot of it I like and there's a lot of it that's like, eh. but I mean, it's, it's early hungry Alex Ross, you know, and it, it's, it's not bad. Uh, I, I think I would go, uh, I think I'm going to go a B minus on the art because I mean, I, there's, there's a lot of room to improve, but, um, you know, you, you can see the guy's got chops and it, it is very hard to kind of divorce your mind from where you know the guy's going. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it's serviceable. It works. Um, I, I think there's some good storytelling going on here. You can follow everything that's going on. So yeah, I, I think B minus is fair. All right. How about the story? Mm-hmm. Story. Uh, well, even <sighs> what's weird is, you know, this is the time frame. I think we might have talked about this in the past, like the time frame in books to where you, it was kind of almost an equilibrium, but with story and splashes to where now you can burn through a book really quick. Whereas in the seventies and early eighties, it took you a while to read it. There's a lot of dialogue here that slows you down, but it's still a, a pretty quick book. Maybe not as fast as a modern book, um, so, um, cause we don't get a lot of story here. We get a lot of motivations, but we don't really get a lot of story. Like you said, it's more like a prologue. Like we're still, we're still working up to what's really going on. So I'm going to give the story C plus B minus. Okay. Well, yeah, I mean, you hit on exactly my problems with it, that, you know, from the beginning to the end, I don't feel like we got a full book's worth of movement is effectively what it is. You know, we, we to me, the whole plot advancement is, I guess, we're introduced to this female Terminator who looks to be kind of sadistic, and they're going to drop nukes. That's really, to me, that's the whole, the, the, I'm so, I summed up the whole book in two sentences. Uh, so I, I, I just want more meat to the story in an issue like this, and... Again, we're not really sure what the price point was at this time, but if it is a higher price point, I definitely want more meat to my story. So it's not that it's bad, it's just that it doesn't feel satisfying to me that we're moving along quickly enough here. So I'm going to say I just give it a C. Scott, hello? Hello? Where'd he go? Oh, uh, sure. yeah. I wasn't sure if I was on alone at that point because after I finished hey, speaking, hey, I'm, I'm here. Oh, I'm sleeping. He's okay. I am all <laughs> right. Um. So on the story, yeah. Um. So while we were talking, I was flipping back through um the prior series, the original series, and for one, I was I was dismayed to find that. Uh, oh God, what number what issue number is this? This is issue number. 15 and issue number 15 uh big as life there's a full page ad it's actually a really cool looking ad i'll see if i can send you a copy of this 
for this series. So evidently I did know it was coming up. So I don't know what was going on other than maybe I was just, by the time this series was, was done, I was kind of done with the Terminator because flipping back through this, holy cow, is it rough, man? I mean, it's, it's really rough. It's, it's a lot rougher than I remember it to be. Um, so this is, I mean, this is head and shoulders above the series that, that preceded it. Um, I don't know. I mean, I agree with everything you're saying. It's, it's not really a full, but I felt the same way about the first issue though. And I, and again, I think that's probably why I didn't continue on from the first issue because it's not that it's not interesting or compelling is that just not enough happens within the issue to justify that price, you know, and Mm -hmm. It's not progressing fast. I mean, this is indicative of of everything that we complain about with modern comics and the decompressed storytelling. This is incredibly decompressed, and it just doesn't, you know, the story doesn't progress enough within this particular issue, or or the first one, for that matter. Although, I, I did feel, by the end of this, at least I felt like, okay, now I at least understand, like, what the threat is. You know, what you know, beyond the fact of, you know, the, the Terminator world itself, you know, what exactly the point of this particular series is, you know, now they've got to deal with the fact that, you know, Skynet's had enough and is determined to just, at this point, it's just going to nuke them out of existence. So, I mean, it's compelling, but it took two issues to kind of hook me, if you know what I mean. Um, that said, and again, <clears throat> in fairness, maybe a lot of it is the, the Alex Ross art, but I find this a hell of a lot more interesting, compelling, and closer in tone to Terminator than I ever found the original uh, 17-issue series. Because it, uh, it was just too far afield from Terminator. Um, this still suffers a little bit from that, where, where the Terminators still seem like they have too much personality, whereas they shouldn't have a personality at all. That sort of thing. Um, the one thing in this, frankly, I mean, I, I, I mean, I enjoyed it. I really did. Frankly, if there's anything in it that that did bug me, um, it, it basically comes down to the machines being just uh, too, they're too human. Um, I don't like Aurora even having a name to begin with. If she's going to have a name, she should have a number name, you know. She's, you know, THX1138 or some shit, you know, not, why Aurora? Why give her a human name at all? And the whole thing with, uh, with Skynet having a a running dialogue with its, you know, a a monologue just seems silly to me because why would a machine think like this? Why would a machine have a, a linear progression of thought? You know, you would think a machine would just have a completely different way of, of processing information and coming to conclusions in and in a very cold, logical, calculating way. Not this is this is like rumination. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. This is very human thought, and I don't know. It just. I mean, I understand. I mean, you you have to make it relatable. You have to make it entertaining, and all, and I get that. But it's I don't know. I, I think Skynet in particular is just far too humanized in this too emotional yeah or as kirk would say human (laughs) 
I couldn't find, flipping back through both these issues, I couldn't find it, but there was a part in one of these two issues where Skynet does that that thing that makes me nuts when automatons do it in the comics where it talks about, you know, my circuits have detected, blah, blah. I, I hate this, like, no, circuits, you, you don't understand electronics when you start talking that way, you know? <laughs> that sort of thing makes me crazy. It's like, well, like Stan Lee with transistors. Right, exactly. Yep, that's exactly it. But overall, did I like it? Did I enjoy it? Yeah, I, I did. You know, it, For what it is, it, it's, it's a hell of a lot better than what preceded it. So this is a big step up from, you know, from the original series. And I've read a lot of Terminator comics over the years, you know, from all the different companies that have put Terminator comics out. And frankly, I think this is some of the better stuff because I haven't really... I haven't really been a fan of, of a lot of the Terminator stuff that's been put out in comics form, despite the fact that there's been a ton of it. Uh, I just feel like they, they often just don't seem to get the uh, the tone properly. Um, this this is pretty close. And I, I it has a it has a fun feel to it because it reminds me a lot of kind of the early Wild West days of Star Wars, you know, like Marvel Star Wars, when they only had just the one movie to work on so they you know they did the best they could and if it, if it was a little weird and a little far out then you know you, you kind of had to you know when you look back on it now you kind of have to forgive it because they didn't have that larger world to work with they just had the first movie well the same thing is going on here you know there were no sequels there were no novels it's just you know they had that first movie and they've got to run with that so yeah this this is a lot um, you know, in tone, I think it's just it's a lot truer to that world and that and that movie than the original series before it was because that original series got I mean it was wacky. I had completely forgotten. I was flipping back just through the first issue alone, and within the first few pages of the first issue of the original series, there's a Terminator baby that flips out of a woman's arms like backflips and then hisses at them and I'm like why did I like this shit <laughs> it's it's really bad the art's horrible and the story's just really I mean it's it's damn silly there's a there's a did somebody say hasta la vista baby no not not back during this time yeah oh, that's it's right really, it would have been before that yeah there's a town of terminators there's a there's a Terminator chef. There's a Terminator <laughs> police. Yes. It's like it I don't, why why the hell did I like this? Because the only thing I remembered about this first issue, you know, the first story of uh, storyline of this was the the people that came down from the moon. I remember that being really silly, but I didn't remember any of this other crap with the Terminator baby and all that. It's really stupid. So yeah, this this. Issue that you know this storyline we're looking at here, the Burning Earth, it's a hell of a lot better than where they started from. So, anyway, that's uh, that was very long winded. Let me let me give it a rating. Um, I'm gonna say I think I'm gonna go the same as the R. I think I'm gonna go B minus. I mean, there's definitely room for improvement, but overall, I really liked it. I'd give the overall issue. Uh, uh, I think I'd give the overall issue a B because uh, yeah, I enjoyed it. What was your overall? I don't think I gave it overall. I, I didn't give him one yet, but I think you're just a, just a <coughs> tiny bit higher on it than I am because I think I'm a B minus overall. Yeah, I'm, I'm thinking um, B minus. Yeah, 
It's not that it's bad. I, I, it's it's fine. I definitely think this is one that's probably better to read in the trade because there's just not enough story to sustain it issue by issue. So cool. Anyway, did you want to read a couple of emails before we call it a day? Yeah, I'll do. Yeah, two quick two quick ones. Uh, you just want me to read them? Yeah, why don't you? Read sure. Them? All right, from Sean Rubansky. And this is on Focus On. It says, fellas, really enjoyed your focus on Alan Weiss. Great discussion. Especially enjoy the reading um, of interview at the end. Hope you include, maybe in greater depth, that kind of background and feature focus on episodes. On future, maybe in future focus on episodes. Sean. So, uh, we don't think we have our second subject pick yet. We have, have not we? yet. But, yeah, uh, we have not discussed But when that. we do, you know... I'll tell you, Sean, we, we would like to do, you know, we would like to be a little more in-depth because that's the whole idea. So, yeah, mm-hmm. I, I, we're glad that you appreciated the interview that Scott found and read. And uh, we hope to continue to find things like that as we do more focus on episodes. All right. And we also have one from some guy in West Virginia. I don't know. Russell Brog? <laughs> hmm. <laughs> ah, it's from Russell Bragg. Back to the bins, 354 on the road. Hey, guys, great show as per usual. I really enjoy these on-the-road shows you put together. However, I dare say that you will never top the episode where Scott got into a heated argument with Siri or his GPS, whichever it was. It was <laughs> it was hilarious. I think Siri GPS won. I absolutely love the, the idea of a retro 80s arcade. I don't think we even have an inkling of an arcade around here. I was pretty good at Donkey Kong Jr., Centipede, Burger Time, Frogger, and Mappy. It's been a long time since I played any of those games or foosball. I wasn't bad at foosball, but was better at air hockey. I did get Dr. Bill's comment, it was the Dukes. I love trading places, saw it in the theater, now I have it on Blu-ray. My wife doesn't like it. Well, hmm. Unfortunately, I don't have a Blu-ray player. <laughs> Don't think I have anything else, so we'll close for now. Hope all is well. Thank you for keeping me entertained at work. Russell Bragg, Clarksburg, West Virginia, former host of the DC Comics Presents show. Bonus points for listening at work. I'm sure sure his employees don't think that. (laughs) Come on. I was trying to get this to come back in. Uh, Yeah, we've got... Couple more emails, but we'll save them for future shows. I'm going to do one more because. Oh, uh, okay. Uh, just to give a little uh, a little background, I had been going through the prior, you know, older episodes to try and find out what books were covered, uh, because we put together a uh, a database. Oh, you're talk- oh Scott Gina, doesn't know about the as, as does he? We discussed in the last episode, which Scott wasn't here for. Uh, so we have a database now, which lists every episode and what was covered in it. And as I was doing my listening to try and find out what books were covered, there was an early episode of the show where Scott put out a call to the listeners saying, what do you enjoy listening to? Why do you listen? You know, what can we do to make it better? That kind of thing, which despite the fact that we're now 300 and I don't even know, 370 episodes in or whatever we're in to this at this point, uh, we still feel that way. And I put out the call again. Tell us, you know, what you, why you listen, what you like, what you don't like. Uh, and Chris Warden wrote in, to whom it may concern, why do you listen? 
I have 50 out 50 plus hours a week available have to fill it with something <laughs> well that certainly <laughs> warms the cockles of my heart <laughs> what do you like what don't you like doesn't matter what my opinion is just do what you guys do my download is already counted even if I listen to it or not Christopher J Warden so <laughs> Chris is effectively indifferent. As long as we give him something to listen to, he's happy. So next episode, we'll have Bill read the telephone book. But, uh... <laughs> you know, Future we'll... Freaks did it. Yes, I know. I am aware. <laughs> uh, you know, we, we... But again, I'm, you know, I'm going to continue to put out that call to the listeners. You know, if there's things that we do that you really like, please let us know, because we'll try and... Well... We'll take your opinions into account. I, I can't even promise we're going to do what people tell us to do, but we are interested in knowing because we're always looking to make the show better. So if we know things that you do like and things that you don't like, it helps. And I'm going to do one more along those oh, lines yeah, just, because Michael Mike, Parker, Mike Parker. Yeah, yep. he wrote in. If my this if my email comes up here, he wrote in with a, a similar. Uh, well. It, also, in response to that question, hey guys, I was listening to a recent show asking for feedback. Overall, I enjoy the show. I don't recall it happening happening recently, but what I would personally enjoy, I know tastes vary, is sticking with Bronze Age, Copper Age books. I'm not in any way knocking books produced after that. I know at some point the time frame was open to 25 years, but I think a lot of enjoyment is not only tied to the books themselves, but what age we read them at. I'm not going... I am not going to enjoy listening to a review of a book that came out when I was 23 nearly as much as one that came out when I was 13. I would also guess a majority of the listeners fall into a certain age group with up to a 10-year swing either way. Keep up the good work. Best, Mike Parker. Uh, yeah, you know, Mike, I tend to agree with you. Uh, and if you've noticed, I do skew very Marvel Bronze Age because that's when I was 13. So... Uh, <laughs> You know, it, it it is what go what you know what it does it does bring me there. So we try to be you know somewhat eclectic in our choices because we don't want to be just focusing on one thing and one thing alone. But I do find myself coming back to the Marvel Bronze Age pretty much you know every so often, and I think probably we've had more books from the Marvel Bronze Age than any other particular category to this point. So. You know, your tastes are probably very similar to ours. And we'll call it on that. Cool. All right. Next time we do this, it'll be issue three. But not necessarily next week, because I don't no. know what we're doing next week. And that's what's fun. But thank you, everybody, for listening, Super and we will Pro see you next week. What'd you say, Scott? NFL Super Pro number one. <laughs> dun, 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 dun. Boom, 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 boom. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to our show, and we hope you'll continue to join us each and every week for more good old-fashioned comic book back-issue awesomeness. You can contact Back to the Bins to leave feedback, comments, questions, suggestions, and criticisms via email at bins at twotruefreaks.com or by joining the Back to the Bins group on Facebook. Back to the Bins is a proud affiliate of the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Network, which you may find at www.twotruefreaks.com. Two True Freaks is a registered trademark of DiManzo Corps of Milan, Italy. All rights reserved. Please take a moment to stop by the twotruefreaks.com site and check out their many other fine podcasts, won't you? Thanks, 
and we'll see you next week. Give me some loving. Uh, yeah. <laughs>